You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. God, be seated in the presence of God. Are you thankful for your Heavenly Father tonight? Just take a moment. I'm going to wait just a second. Let what God is doing settle inside you. Just close your eyes. Focus on God. Sometimes people are so eager to hear the word and we miss the spirit. Let him minister to your heart. This is time when burdens lift, emotions, that are tangled up and wrung out, God by His Spirit comes in, God by His Spirit comes in and begins to soothe you. speaking to you right now. You've been asking God for direction. You've been trying to get free. I'm always feeling like you're falling short. There's a couple people here you feel that God is angry at you because you haven't done enough. Let him minister to you out of his overwhelming and abundant heart of love that he has on your behalf. I pray in this moment you would know just how much your Heavenly Father loves and cares towards you. That his heart would extend to you in this very second. We're going to be sitting here. Just just watch the torment leave your mind. I don't even have to pray for you or lay hands on you or command anything over you. Just watch how you go to try and think those thoughts and you can't remember them. Watch how the bitter memories of the past and the neglect by your ex-husband and the neglect by your ex-wife and the scars that those words that your kids said to you out of hatred begin to disappear from your heart and you're able to walk in love again. God is healing emotional wounds. Some of you, someone has said something so mean and deceiving and upsetting and hateful towards you and it's left a massive scar upon your emotions and I declare tonight you're going to walk out of here completely free from that uneven able to hear that repeating voice free to walk in the love of God again I free you tonight in the name of Jesus to walk in the love of God to walk in the peace of God nothing on earth should steal your peace from you yeah, but Brother Palmer, you don't understand me and my wife are going through the world. It shouldn't steal your peace. Yeah, but I don't know. My kid is wayward. It shouldn't steal your peace. Oh, Brother Palmer, you wouldn't believe what happened. I lost my job this week and I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. It shouldn't steal your peace. Oh, but I don't know what I believe about God anymore. He loves you. He's here for you. And he's going to minister to you abundance of wealth wisdom my prayer for these services not that you retain everything I say but I want you to catch a spirit when you come here catch a certain spirit you don't know why but when you leave the services you feel up don't know why, but when you wake up on Saturday morning, you feel something's changed inside. You can't really explain it. You're happy again. Your joy is going to return back to you. Your sound is the mind. You can't articulate everything I said. You can't remember. You don't even 
can't even read your notes because your handwriting is so scribbled and bad. But you do know something has changed. And when you begin to pray, you start shaking the heavens. And your prayers start coming back to you answered. You know that it's not in your strength that you're praying anymore. It's in the strength of your Heavenly Father. And you lose that critical, bitter spirit that you've had towards church and God's preachers. And you start taking upon yourself an optimistic look about the kingdom of God. You start becoming excited again about simple things. Simple verses that used to amaze you. You become excited about those verses again. You begin to experience the renewing of God's love for you in your life. And you start receiving the kingdom of God like a child again. Someone say like a child well, we never graduate past that childlike faith. Do you believe that? Well, are you ready for another service tonight? Are you ready to get up and go? You ready to go? You ready to put your seatbelt on and go? Someone say, I'm ready to go. Say, all engines ready. You have your Bible tonight. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. We've been doing a series on the heart. Someone say the heart. Who can tell me what the heart is? No one can tell me what the heart is. Boy, I'll tell you what. We ain't done. This is our fifth, fourth, I don't, can't remember. Fourth service? Fifth service, I think. I don't remember. But we did all sorts of teaching on the heart. Who can tell me what the heart is? The heart is the inner part of an individual. It's the part of you that thinks. The part of you that knows. It's the part of you that has desires and wills. Is everyone here tonight? You guys here? Say, I'm checking in. in. Alright, I'm not going to hold you guys too long because I know that you want to go out in the snow and you have to some of you didn't come, you know, you came in a uh, you didn't come in a sled so it's gonna, you're going to have to take some time again, alright? I won't let you out too late, but I want to minister this word that God has for me to you and I was saying just a moment ago, I feel the presence of God on my life, and I hope you can sense it too. The presence of God sometimes can be upon me but not touch you because your heart's not in a position to receive. Amen. Yeah. I've been in services before where the power of God is touching people. I'm, the, I'm not even preaching. I'm the one sitting in the service in the chair. And the power of God is here, and people are crying. I'm thinking to myself, oh, why are they getting touched? How come I'm not getting touched? I was in a service one time, and a big pastor who's on TV and all this stuff, he comes to me and says, you're not entering in. Start entering in. That's why you're not getting touched. And I said, oh, man, he caught me. I thought I was going to slide by the service and hurry up out and go to dinner. I said, well, he kind of got better to do what he says. I lifted my hand and I started praying at the Holy Ghost. And, started, and you know, within 15 minutes, I was bawling my eyes out crying. The power of God touched me. And from that night forward, I saw an increase in the miraculous over my life. I saw in my life a supernatural change just because the presence of God came upon my life. You're never ever going to retain everything a preacher tells you. There is no way. Someone asked me what I preached two weeks ago. I said, I gotta think about this one. I preached twice a week. And I remember eventually, but there's no way you can call it back from your memory into the front of your brain and pop it back and explain everything I say. That means if you can't do that, guess what? You're not going to be able to practice it if you can't remember it. Unless you catch the spirit of the person that you're around. When you catch the spirit of the minister or the ministry or the person that you're around, you go into what I call spiritual cruise control. Hello, somebody. Hello. Is this a lively church or are you all you all this uh, you know we have the morning tonight? Are you here? You catch the cruise control and you start doing those things. You start doing them without even knowing that you're doing them. You walk up into a store and the pastor's been talking about praying for sick people, and all of a sudden you start praying for somebody. Or you see some I was at the barber shop last night at 10 o'clock p.m. 10 o'clock. I came home from school, I said, I'm get my hair cut. I go to the barber shop, he looked at me like, why are you coming here? I said, we're getting ready to close, I don't have to cut your hair. And you know, we sat in that chair longer 
They weren't supposed to sit there, nobody in the barbershop, and I'm ministering to these guys and telling them about the kingdom and preaching to these people. And after they say, I want to pray for you. He says, me? Should I sit down? He says, no, you can stand up or sit down. I want to pray for you. I started praying for him, and I felt power coming out of my hands when I was praying for him. Are you here? I felt electricity touch this man. He just shot like I can't believe what's going on. And then I sent Caleb, and I sent Brett to that guy to get their haircut so they can minister. Oh, that's radical stuff, Brother Palmer. It's, it isn't. The kingdom of God is radical. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. How else could the apostles... Are you guys looking at me like, you know, I'm a, a penguin here tonight, you know? Just bad, I'm not a penguin. You ever see a kid when he goes and sees his favorite animal at the zoo? He just stares at it like he can't take his eyes off of it. Hello, somebody. Those God, I know you're with me, man. You guys come two hours every single week. I mean, they have to be with me. <laughs> they pay a big price to come here. Thank you, Brother Todd, for coming in. Faithful. Here's the faithful. Let me see that. He's got faithful. You know, you come two hours, you're going to receive. You're going to receive something. Even if it's been dropped, you're going to get it, right? But you catch that spirit. And, 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 and what I want, what I want with all my heart is for people to catch the spirit of faith in their lives. Someone say the spirit of faith. When the spirit of faith is on you, you can believe God for anything. Do you know why believers today are living under the privileges? Because they don't have the spirit of faith in their life. They just hope that God does something. Well, you know, God, I just hope, I hope, I hope, I hope today's day. You know, you can always tell when someone's hoping. Because of the person walking down the street, kicking the rocks around. You know, I hope. I hope. They're kicking the same rock. 15 years, I hope. I hope maybe it, Moses, maybe today is the day. You never know. They have good positive sayings, you know. Well, I wake up every day and never know what I'm going to get. I may have no money in my account, but maybe Chase Bank messes up. And I get a million dollars in my account and I go clear out before they can take it away from me. Just hoping, hoping. It's like that song, wishing. Oh. Nothing. She knows. She's ready. She's ready to say it. But then you can see somebody that's not hoping anymore. They're expecting. They wake up. And things may not be good. Their account may be at negative $25. And they also know, you know, some other bill is going to hit and it's going to go into negative $45. Some of you are laughing like they've been there before. I was there in college about every week. U.S. Bank, they knew exactly who I was. They got out of the account, keeps getting on the phone. But, you get the word of God inside your life. And all of a sudden, you get, you've been in prayer. And the spirit of God has been upon your life. Are you guys here tonight? The spirit of God has been upon your life. And all of a sudden, you start expecting. You go into the place of prayer. And prayer is no longer, God, help me. Oh, help me. Help me. All of a sudden, God ministers to you. His spirit and the presence of God comes upon your life. Are you here tonight? The presence of God comes on your life. And guess what you start doing? Expecting. Yes, amen. Expecting. Yes. Expecting. 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 And when you're expecting from God, you feel like your prayers don't hit the ceiling no more. You feel like your prayers smash through the tiles and go up, up, up. And all of a sudden you feel that God has somehow heard what you had to say and you get that sense in your heart that he cares and he's ready to respond. And do you know what you start seeing in your life? Results. You start seeing what Jesus said. I pray for you that your prayers be answered so that your joy might be full. If you haven't got your prayers answered, then you're not going to be joyful. When you see people that are just down and out and in misery, that tells me this person's not getting their prayers answered. How can we change that? How can we get you to go from never getting your prayers answered to when you pray, the power of God is there. Are you here tonight, everyone? I want you to catch this. And you know what? I still have to say this. You have to step into that spirit. So when I pray for the people that God sends me, I say, God, above all else, let him catch it. Because when you catch the Spirit, 
When you, I mean, when it's on you, you don't have good day, bad day, good day, bad day, good day, bad day. You have good day. You may be down out with the Spirit of God. Gives you a push. Gives you another push. And things may go against you. And people say, well, he's got all this opposition against him. How does he keep going? How does he keep juggernauting? How can he keep pushing? How is he going to keep pushing? Because behind you is that spirit that's pushing you, keeping you, believing, keeping you in faith. Are you here tonight, people? Listen, are you here? Yes. And you say, what is your faith in? It is in Caleb, the kingdom of God. It's in the kingdom. Amen. Good job, Brother Palmer. I'm right there with you. Amen. I want you to catch it. Your life will change. Jesus. Write this down if you take your notes away. We're just going to go with the Spirit. Everything Jesus said and taught somehow had to do with the kingdom of God. It's one thing to preach about Jesus. It's another thing to preach what Jesus preached. Jesus came declaring the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So when you read about the ministry of the Lord Jesus resurrected, crucified, resurrected, and he mentions the kingdom of God. He is talking about the reason that he came. And that was to bring another reality into this realm that coexists alongside of the earth that we're living in today. You see ISIS taking people's heads off. You see all the tragedy that you see on the 10 o'clock news. You see all the banks. You see all the celebrities doing all the stuff they do. You wonder to yourself, isn't this a terrible reality that we're living in? And then you ask yourself, how is it that anybody today can be happy knowing two things? Number one, it looks like the world is about to fall off a cliff. All the nations, all the colonial powers look like they're just ready to head for disaster. World War III is about to happen. How can you have peace? And number two, how can you have peace knowing that if you're over the age of 30, in 70 years, you're gone. You're history. You're going to die. Did you ever stop to think about that? I was thinking about that the other day. In bed, drinking a Powerade, thinking to myself, I'm going to die one day. That's a lot you thought to have. If you haven't thought about it now, one day you're going to think about it. So how can anybody have any hope today unless your creator they don't hear tonight. Has come and promised you that there is another kingdom that exists post mortem, past death, and has given unto humanity, Brother Mike. Well, I wish you would be here with this tonight. Listen, I hope you catch this. If you miss it, you miss it. You don't like the way I'm preaching it? Then just miss it, okay? But I'm walking in it. I'm just I'm walking. What's your name? Faith. God bless you. Thank you for coming. I'm catching it and I'm walking in it. Unless the Creator has come and not only introduced His kingdom, but He has shown you how you can follow Him into His kingdom. And what He, are you here? And what He has said about His kingdom is that it is eternal and that it is everlasting. And he says, seek first the kingdom, and all these things shall be added unto you. What things are you talking about, Jesus? Everything that he has promised to you. And he looked at his disciples, and he says, this is eternal life, that you may know him whom thou hast sent. When you know Jesus, and you make a decision to follow him, guess what? You go into his kingdom. And when you see everything that is going around, all the trouble, all the tragedy, all the sorrow, all the sickness, all the disease, all the death, all the pain, all the hopelessness, all the people fighting, all the bombs being dropped, everything going on, all the people dying, all the homicide, all the genocide going on. You know something in your heart that there's another.
another kingdom that is working alongside this kingdom and God is going to bring his reign to pass. Let me hear you say amen. But the question is, if that exists, how do you enter into that? Why I can wake up every day expecting? Thank you, God. I was sitting somewhere yesterday, and the presence of God came on me. I stopped what I was doing. Just stopped. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. 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 Someone say thank you.
They get delivered, they get healed, and you know what? They lose it. They come back a month later looking for the same thing. How many of you ever known somebody? They got their back up against the wall, and all they need is got to do this one thing. God, do this one thing for me, please. If you do this one thing for me, I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. I'm never going to do it again. I promise you, God, I will never do it again. I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. And then they realize it's time to repent. And they repent. And God sets them free and delivers them. But do you know what happens? A month later, they come back to the same place. God, do this for me again, please. They sound like one of those guys that... God, do this one thing for me, please. Do this one thing for me. Do this one thing for me. And you know what? God says, you know, I'll tell you this about God. He's more loving than you and me. Actually, human beings have a desire to see justice take place in people's life. We want mercy, but we want everyone else to get justice. Burn them all, God, but save me, right? <laughs> take your heads off, God, but me, me. I, I don't deserve to be covered with all these heathens and evildoers and not me. He's more loving than you, God. So I'm going to give you mercy and you mercy. You know what God does? He gives you second chances. Okay. They're not as smart as me because I'm God and they're humans. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give them another chance. Guess what? All of a sudden they say, God delivered me, man. I can't believe I got into that pickle, right? I didn't think I was going to get it. God did it. And then a month later, <laughs> and do you know what the problem is? The brokenness has released the power of God. But to maintain the power of God, you need to have obedience. It is the obedient heart that maintains the miraculous power of the kingdom inside your life. If you're not daily seeing the power of the kingdom, are you here? Come on, someone say, I'm here. Come on, get excited. I'm excited to preach. You've got to be excited. Follow me. To get the power of God to show up in your life, to see this kingdom that I'm just talking about. Is going to require you to be obedient to the point that you're saying, God, I want to be your disciple. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Right? Just not everything else. To follow Jesus into his kingdom means that you're going to be an obedient disciple of Jesus Christ. Obedience will protect you. Obedience will give you a successful life. When people have been hurt and they suffer, it is oftentimes a result of disobedience. Do you believe that tonight? And when you see somebody suffering with no peace, you know what that is an indication of? They're living outside of the power of God's kingdom. Because in the kingdom of God, even if you don't have finances, in the kingdom of God, even if you're waiting for the manifestation of those things, guess what you're not? Suffering. Guess what you're not? Tormented. You can have no bank account, no money. You can have wondering where God's going to position you. You can be waiting for the promise of God. You can be expecting the promise of God and not have the manifestation of it, but guess what you have? Peace and joy and expectation that God in his kingdom is about to release a miracle into your life. Somebody say amen. amen. So if you take your notes, write this down. Obedience, I'll give you the definition. An obedient heart is a heart that listens carefully to the word of God. Accepts the authority of the word of God and submits to God by choice with the conviction that he will do everything that he's promised you. Let me read it again. Oh, I know where I'm going with this. This is going to get exciting. I thank God. Let's do it again. A powerful disciple is not only broken, but is obedient. The person I was with yesterday, and this is not just me. I mean, I'm sure... He said the same thing about Caleb or whoever he else he saw. He said, Brother, he said, there's something about you. You have a glow on you. Where's that good glow come from? I say it comes from the Holy Spirit, and I maintain it because I obey his voice. Are you here tonight? Not because I ate my Wheaties or because I had cinnamon toast crunch in the morning or because I drank my Starbucks or whatever. It's because there's obedience in my life. Someone say obedience. 
I'm reading again. An obedient heart is a heart that listens carefully to God's word, accepts God's authority, and submits to God's will by choice with full conviction that he will do everything that he has promised. When Jesus was setting up his kingdom, he came as the Messiah, and the Israeli expectations of the Messiah was that he was going to triumph and set up his political world power and dominate the forces of Caesar in Rome. The problem with this Jewish expectation from the prophecies was the fact that the Messiah would first come and he would be not the glorious, victorious Messiah that is yet to come, like Daniel chapter 7, who's going to return. Now look up here, are you here tonight? But first, according to Isaiah chapter 53, the glorious, enthroned, exalted Messiah was going to have to be the lonely man of sorrows and the suffering servant for him to be exalted as Lord and as Christ. And the issue was the disciples and all of Israel that rejected him did not see this. Now think about this for a second. Here you have the promise of the Spirit in the Old Testament. What Israel was waiting for was the promise of the Father. And the promise of the Father was that God through the Davidic branch, the branch of David, the root unto Jesse, through David's throne was going to raise up a Messiah that was going to keep God's promise to Abraham that through him all the nations of the earth were going to be blessed. And you have this Messiah, this Jesus, this carpenter, son of Joseph from the line of David, who was the son of Adam, and also a son of Abraham, and he starts walking around, and he's in front of thousands of Jewish people at his baptism, and a voice comes, and you hear, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. You need to be obedient and follow and hear him. A evident witness to all the people around that this is indeed the Messiah. And if it wasn't enough, you had John the Baptist, the prophet, like unto Elijah, that was testifying. This is the one who is going to usher in the kingdom of God. But they didn't hear the kingdom of God the way we hear the kingdom of God. They thought the kingdom of God was all right. It's about time we get under the persecution of Caesar. It's about time we bring back the glorious temple of David. It's about time we bring back that Levitical priesthood. It's about time we shake the oppression off and Jesus set up his kingdom. It's about time. Jesus goes into the wedding of Cana of Galilee and he turns the water into wine. And people say, will you please do it again, Lord Jesus? This is pretty cool. Jesus, this is great. Who, who are you? Who is this man? Jesus then goes and prays all night and he elects 12 disciples who have heard of the miracles of Jesus and immediately they drop their nets to follow him. But the question is this. Who did the disciples think that they were following? Who did the disciples think they were following? Because they did not understand that the Messiah had to suffer. And this is why Jesus would tell his disciples when they saw a miracle, don't tell nobody anything. Jesus goes on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples are, they've been asking him, who's this man, who's this man, who is this guy? I mean, he, he steals the storm by the voice of his word. Demons see him coming and they tremble and they shake and they leave. We've never seen a rabbi cast out demons. A, a leprous man, he ten of them, ten for ten, that's like a strike every time you go, every frame you walk. And that's pretty good when you've a guy like me and your top bowling score is 72. <laughs> Jesus takes him up to the Mount of Transfiguration and says, Behold, this generation shall not pass until you see the coming of the Son of Man in power. He's talking about his transfiguration, his death, his resurrection, and all of a sudden, Jesus is transformed in form, and he looks like the glorious Messiah. God allows the disciples to see that this is indeed the Messiah because he is going to, in a few days, need their witness to the Gentile nations. But Jesus told his disciples, don't tell them what you saw. Why would he do this? It's because they had not, ah, oh, Jesus, listen to me. Listen to me right now. They did not understand that he had to suffer yet. He said, because if you go and you tell everybody what you saw, you're going to tell them 
that I'm the glorious Messiah. And they're going to get the wrong expectation. And they're going to expect for me to set up my kingdom. And my kingdom cannot come until I first suffer. Immediately, the narrative in the Gospel of Matthew, the narrative in the Gospel of Mark, and the narrative in the Gospel of Luke shifts. And after the transfiguration, Jesus starts talking funny. The disciples looked at him and said, Jesus, why are you talking like this? Come on, what are you talking like this? And Jesus said, you know what I'm going to do? They said, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. You got crazy up there on the mountain. Jesus, don't say it. And Jesus says, I'm going to say it. They said, don't say it. He says, I'm leaving my Galilean ministry down, and I'm going to go into Jerusalem. They said, no, don't do it. Jerusalem is the city that kills the prophets. Don't go into Jerusalem. Anything but that. If you go into Jerusalem, they're going to kill you. Jesus says, the Son of Man came to serve and give his life a ransom what am I telling you about this for? Then he looks at his disciples. And he gets angry. More like frustrated. Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 9, and Mark chapter 10. Jesus gives three passion motifs. He looks at him and he says, If you want to follow me, you must take up your cross and follow. See, to us, it's a cute little thing we buy at Family Christian Store and put it on our hat. It's nice. It's put jewels and diamonds on it. Let me tell you what they looked at the cross in the days of Israel. Cicero said that the cross was so disgusting and so volatile and so hideous that it is not even appropriate to mention the name of the cross as a Roman citizen. Don't talk about it. It would be similar to talking about a gas chamber at a Jewish dinner. This was how irreputably disgusting the idea of the cross was. It was a death sentence. And Jesus looked at his disciples and says, do you want to come into my kingdom? Yeah, Jesus, I want to come into your kingdom. What do I need to do to come into your kingdom? And Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. The nerve to say something like that Take up your cross and follow me. You mean this is a death sentence. You want us to follow you, us to follow you into your death? And Jesus says, yes. But they didn't understand yet. Are you here tonight, guys? But you're going to find out this is a way of deliverance. The only way to deliverance is the cross. Hello, somebody. The only way to deliverance and healing is the cross. The only way to obedience is the cross because an obedient person understands. Are you here? An obedient person understands it's about laying their life down. Oh, an obedient person understands it's about following Jesus into whatever he leads you into because when you follow Jesus and do what he says to do, there's power. Jesus looked at James and John in Matthew chapter 10 and all of a sudden he used James and John following him. Jesus is ahead of them, and they're getting this big argument. James is saying, no, I'm going to be the one that has the right hand of power. And John says, no, no, old brother, I'm going to be the one that has the right hand of power. And James says, no, 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 I'm the only one. I'm going to get the right hand of power. No, I'm going to. And they're going back and forth arguing, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And they're thinking about the crown, and Jesus stops them and looks back at them and says, are you still thinking about who's going to be the greatest? They weren't talking about after death, they were talking about when Jesus sets up his Messiah kingdom. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, Hmm, you're focused on the crown, and I'm focused on the cross. If anybody wants to be great among you, let him be servant of all. For the Son of Man came to lay his life down. Jesus was telling his disciples that in order to be his follower, that they were going to have to lay their life down in obedience. What are you saying, preacher? What is your, what is your application today? Very few of us, probably nobody in this room will ever be called to lay your life down through physical death.
the one Christians in Iraq every day are called living right now. Picture a Muslim threat comes in right now and says either renounce Jesus or die. And no angel shows up to get you out of that. Do you have the commitment in your heart that you believe in the kingdom of God so much that you're willing to understand that this life is just a vapor and you follow God and his kingdom? What he was telling his disciples is that you have to have an attitude. You're willing to let this life go. Whether it be physical death or the things in your life that are hindering you from receiving the power of the kingdom. Are you here tonight? And it's called obedience. So people say, well, brother, you know, it's hard to follow Jesus. It's difficult to follow him. You guys are not here with me tonight. Are you here? Yes. Go with me in your Bibles if you have it to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Someone say obedience. Jesus was telling his disciples to be powerful in the kingdom is going to cost you everything. And this is what I'm talking about tonight. It's a spirit that you catch. A spirit that you catch. Luke chapter 9. Okay. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not there, say Jesus, please help me. Send out an SOS search party, Jesus. Luke chapter 9, 57. As they were going along the road, as Jesus and his disciples were going along the road, it says, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. I'll follow you wherever you go. The first man that saw Jesus walking said, Master Lord, the guy that does all the miracles, that's him. That's Jesus of Nazareth. That's the one we've been hearing about. And they come running down the hill, they get to his feet, they say, Jesus, we'll follow you wherever you go. They're expecting Jesus to be excited and happy. And yeah, I've been looking for a guy like you this whole time. Why have you been hiding? I need people to follow me wherever I go. You know what Jesus said to him? Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What is that supposed to mean? Someone's going to come up to me and say, Brother Palmer, I want to be on your leadership team. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but Chris Palmer has nowhere to lay his head. <laughs> okay. Kind of a weird answer. And then look what it says next. To another he said, follow me. But he said, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. What? This guy, Jesus asked him to follow him, and the guy says, Well, my father died, I gotta go bury him. And Jesus says, Let the dead bury their own dead, come follow me. Let me tell you something right now. If this how any pastor was in the history of the United States, this guy would not have nobody in his church right now. There would be nobody coming to his church, brother. You can't do that. These are just visitors coming, you know. Just be nice to the visitors. Offer them breakfast after service. Don't tell them, let them bury their own dead. But, but you're missing the point of what Jesus is trying to say here. And look what it says here. And another person says, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say well to those at home. Let me just go kiss my mom goodbye. Let me go kiss, let me say goodbye to them. You know what Jesus said to them? No one who puts his hand to the flower and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What is the point of this? I hear it. Number one, if you're writing this down, to be a disciple, to be a disciple, number one, to be a disciple, the first guy said to him, Lord Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You know what Jesus was saying? Before you follow me, you better understand who you're following. Because people that enter into the kingdom the one qualification is to know who it is you're following. That Jesus is going to bless your life. He's going to bring to you supernatural deliverance. He's going to heal you. He's going to give you peace. He's going to give your life meaning. 
You go to your job and you can't find meaning at your job. You go to work and you come home and you're empty. But in return, he is going to ask you for one thing, and that's your life. Are you here tonight? Number two, the guy said to him, well, you know, Jesus, let me go first bury my father. In ancient Israel, even if you go over there today, this was a common excuse when you didn't want to do something and you're trying to get out of it. Have you ever had that happen to you before? Someone calls you on the phone. And you say, brother, what are you doing on Friday? You say, I got something at work I got to do. Well, brother, what are you doing? Well, I, you know, I, I got this thing. You know, I got this thing. You know? And you know they don't have a thing. It's just their way of saying it. You know, they, they don't, whatever it is you want to do with them, they don't want to do it. Brother, what are you, you want to come to church with me? I can't. I, I got to do something else. You don't have to do nothing. You have to turn over on the other side of the bed. You got to turn the pillow over to the cool side of the pillow. That's all you have to do. This was a common excuse. And you know what Jesus was saying? Jesus was saying, if you want to follow me and be a disciple and experience the power of the kingdom in your life, you can't make any excuses. Write this down if you're taking notes. To follow Jesus in the kingdom of God, number one, you have to know who you're following. And number two, he will not allow you to make any excuses. But Brother Palmer, he's merciful, he's kind. There is power in commitment. People that never see fruit in their life, they never see manifestation in their life, they never see or have reason to give testimony, are people that allow themselves to remain committed to a certain point. Most people have a level of commitment in their life that they're comfortable with. I'll go to church and do this, but I won't do this. I'll go to church three days a week, but not four days a week. I'll, go, I'll do this, but I'm not going to do this. The preacher better not ask me to do this. I'll go to worship, and I'll lift my hand this side, but I won't lift my hand this side. I'll get on my knees, but I'll never get on my face. There's always a comfort zone that your commitment allows you to, but you never want to go past it with this certain amount of commitment. And Jesus says when you come to follow him, the obedient heart, the obedient heart says, God, I give you my whole heart and I commit everything to you. If that means I have to leave my job, if that means that I have to go and leave my family and move to another, are you here? Move to another country, move to another state. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. But I got plans, God. I got plans. I got big plans for myself. I'm going to go to Hollywood and I'm going to be on the next American TV idol show. And God says, are you committed or are you not committed? Are you committed to Jesus tonight? Like I said before, I was in my bedroom and when the Lord told me to go back to school, I said, oh no. No, 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 no. I didn't hear this right. I didn't hear you right, God. No way. I was at the airport the next day, and the Lord said, go back. I said, no. I'm not going and sitting in the Hollywood halls of those classrooms. I already have a bachelor's degree. The Lord says, go back. I said, okay. And I called that before I got on my flight. And again, hello. And I said, oh, I'm from so-and-so, from so-and-so. And I'm a Pentecostal. He said, oh, you're Pentecostal. I said, yeah, you take 9,000? <laughs> he said, we take them. I said, okay, because I, I won't make that many blood sacrifices on your own. I'm just They said, well, come on down. They re-enrolled me. I remember the first day of class. I thought, why am I here? Then they gave me homework. I said, well, why do I got homework to do? What am I doing? But you know what? God put in my heart. I'm committed. To see the power of the kingdom in your life requires to be committed. And Jesus looked at this man and says, we know this is an excuse. You want to go bury your father? Your father's not dead. I saw him at the fruit market the other day. Your father's not dead. He gives to the ministry. I know he's alive. Listen, when you get serious, come follow me. But you're just playing around now. You want to go on and be yourself. Come follow me when you're serious. No excuse. And the next guy says, well, you know, uh, you know, Jesus, um, 
I heard you do a lot of these miracles and stuff. I heard you walk on water, and, and, and it's pretty sweet what you do, but, but let me first go tell my mom and my dad. Let me say goodbye to them, because, you know, and I'm going to miss her pie, and I'm going to miss my little talks with my dad. Jesus looked at him, and he says, no one who puts his hand to the plow looks back and fit to the kingdom. You know what Jesus was saying? You want to follow and see the power of obedience. Your attention cannot be divided. It has to be laser sharp and focused. That's why when you're a single person and you're doing nothing tomorrow on Valentine's Day, just eating ice cream out of a barrel, Watching Hitch on TV for the 800th time. Or Jerry Maguire, or whatever movie you watch on Valentine's Day to make yourself feel better that you don't have a special love we call Valentine, right? Or eating those heart candies that taste like chalk. <laughs> you know, you eat already a hundred bags of them. You just got one more day to eat them, you better. And then, and then on Sunday, they're half off at Kroger. <laughs> and you're sitting at home and you're scrolling through your Instagram, watching everybody else having fun, but you won't like the picture because you don't want people to think you're jealous. You know? <laughs> you know, scrolling through and you're like, oh, breath every other day. Oh, oh, woe is me. Woe is me. When you're focused, you won't sell out and text that loser in your phone again. That hurts your feelings. You won't call that sweet sister Sally that ripped your heart out of your guts last time. You know what you'll say? I need somebody that is committed to the kingdom of God. But my heart, it hurts, you know. I, I just don't have anything. I gotta wash the tissues. I've been alone on 26th Street, Valentine's Day. And guess what? You get to save money. Amen. Well, why it doesn't rose and act like you care? You get to save money. You say, you know what? God has somebody for me. I'm gonna stay focused. You go up in the room, you shut the door, and take Instagram and delete your app, and you get before God. And you say, Father, I praise you. I worship you. I thank you, God, that I have the power of the kingdom. I thank you the kingdom is so powerful that one day the most beautiful person in the world is gonna show me. And until then, I'm setting my face like flip and I'm gonna serve you. single person, take that head and make it go, and and don't text me around Valentine's Day, if you heard it now, okay? I ain't doing nothing tomorrow, you know, I'm just gonna hang out. I'll be on Instagram with you, you know? <laughs> you got, you have set your focus. You're not distracted. You're here. The Bible says that Jesus, in the midst of his sufferings. No, Jesus didn't have girl problems, okay? He wasn't like that. Jesus was the king of kings. He had bigger problems than what was beyond Valentine's Day. Jesus knew who he was from Scripture. And if you look in the Gospels, if he wasn't being tempted by the devil, well, come to my Bible class. I'll teach you why he was being tempted. It's amazing. There's a lot more to it than you think. Or if he wasn't being trying to get killed by a storm or some demoniac wasn't trying to kill Jesus. He was having the pressure of being a Messiah on him all the time. And there are many instances that Jesus was ready to quit. And the Bible said that Jesus set his face like flint. Not the guy from G.I. Joe either, okay? It's a hard rock and a stone. And what it meant was when all that pressure came and tried to make Jesus disobedient because Jesus had to go through the same testing that the first man Adam did so he could be the second man Adam. He had to represent the Israeli people, the Jewish race, 
and they were tempted for 40 years inside of Israel in the wilderness. Jesus was tempted for 40 days inside the desert and he was led by the Spirit to be tempted because in being led by the Spirit to overcome this temptation, he qualified himself as the first man Adam, the second man ready to die and he set his face like Flint. Listen to me here. The power of being anointed by the Spirit comes when you set your face like Flint and you overcome those temptations and you don't get it. Are you here? That's why when you're tempted and you say, no, I believe that Jesus has a bigger plan for my life than for me to sell out in this temptation. And you obey. That's why you always feel the presence of God come on you afterwards. Because first the test and the trial, then the glory. Young person, you start feeling tempted. Single person, you start feeling tempted. Married person, you start feeling tempted. And you surrender to God and you obey. I promise you, the kingdom of God will take notice. And you'll feel the angels of God come minister to you. There has never been a more satisfying feeling in my life. And going to bed knowing that I please my heavenly and when you please your heavenly Father through your obedience, you get the sense inside of you that you can ask God for anything and He'll do it for you. And it drives your prayers. for everything in your life. Die to your sin. Die to your temptation. Die to those areas of the flesh. Number two, there's no room for excuses. I was with someone this week and I said to them, said, you know what, Brother Chris, they said, I am tired of doing what I'm doing and, I'm, I, I, and I said, why don't you use your talent and why don't you, why don't you uh, do this? He said, yeah, but that's difficult. You know when he said that? Stop doing bad things. I said, in all due respect, what in life is not difficult? What is it that's worthwhile that comes with ease? The kingdom of God is not easy to enter into because you can't make excuses and your attention can't be divided. But a person that stays focused. <coughs> Doesn't come up with excuses. Yeah, but I don't want to come this early. It's like my path to go. That might be the night you get your breakthrough. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I don't want to serve. I don't want to serve. Serve, because in serving, you're going to receive a blessing. Yeah, but you know, I'm just tired of telling people about Jesus because no one, I'm not seeing people get saved. Tell people about Jesus. Yeah, but service is too long. He just keeps on preaching. Oh, he keeps on preaching. Listen, the door's open anytime. No, you can leave. I'll minister to the people of God. Don't want to get involved, don't want to help. 
I rip everybody apart. Never really lift his finger to help nobody. Don't want to tithe. Don't want to give offerings. Give offerings when they want to get offerings. Get frustrated. Get mad. Walk out the door. People are getting touched and just leave. Never up at the altar. Never tell anyone about Jesus. Only concerned about their needs, but never want to help other people past the surface level. This is a person that needs the fire of God in their life. So when you have the fire of God in your life, you share the same heart as your God. Someone say the fire of God. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly. So make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with Chris Palmer.